Greetings. Welcome to Sipping Tea with D. This is your host, Deirdre Simmons. Thank you for joining us this evening. Tonight's episode features a special guest, performer, recording artist, jazz vocalist, Sherry Wilson Butler. You may have seen her in the Teddy Pendergrass documentary, if you don't know me by now, or as a participant in the recent episode of Unsung featuring singer Billy Paul, both of whom she performed with as a backup singer. Sherry's career in music spans way over 30 years. Sherry shares with us details of her journey as a singer and a vocalist. And although she never gained fame or fortune, her love of music helped her to grow and to develop as well as span the world. And also it helped her to develop her craft while maintaining her integrity and pursuing her passion. For Sherry, life is a song worth singing. And welcome. I'm so glad this evening to have with us a Philadelphia legend by the name of Sherry Wilson Butler. Sherry, welcome to Sipping Tea with D. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted. I really am honored. Thank you so much. Well, Sherry, I have to say that this is a personal treat for me uh, as I have had the pleasure to uh, watch you perform. I've had the pleasure uh, of working with you, um, not just as, uh, you know, not as a singer, but <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, did you tell him you, my, you were my boss? <laughs> this is my boss. <laughs> no, but I certainly had the opportunity to uh, watch you work and see you uh, share your musical talents with students and uh, also with, um, you know, everyone here, definitely in the tri-state area. And as a result of that, uh, I've always just been very impressed with you. Uh, you. your vocal styles. Uh, I just think that you're phenomenal. And I think you have a phenomenal story, uh, which is why I'm so excited about you joining us here with uh, at Sipping Tea with D. Well, so you. Sherry, first, I want to know. <laughs> yes. You know, I have my tea with me. <laughs> I know you, know, you do. Yeah, I have a little cup of ginger tea, which is my favorite. So um, what, what tea do you have tonight? <laughs> well, tonight I have some uh, water right now, but my favorite tea is uh, orange it's actually mandarin mango and usually I, what i normally put in it is fresh ginger root mm-hmm. and sliced oranges and sliced um lemons oh and then, wow and then i dazzle it with um some agave and it's so good oh we're gonna, so you're gonna good. have to share that with me one day Ooh. that sounds delicious yeah you would love that yeah that sounds Cause delicious I, yeah because i'm a tea baby I'm a okay tea baby. I love okay teas. Well, Sherry, you know, as I said, uh, you know, you are a a vocal stylist, you're a music educator, you know, lyricist. Um, You've done so much uh, in terms of music. You've worked with so many in terms of music. Um, I want to first ask you, uh, when did you find your voice? I was nine years old. Mm-hmm. I will I will never forget it. My mother and father uh, had a babysitter for us when we lived. I was born and raised in North Philadelphia. Okay. And we had and we had a babysitter. Her name was Miss Betty. 
And so Miss Betty would come and take care of the children. It was just me and my sister. But she would just dance to American Bandstand all the time. She she really wasn't watching us. She was, <laughs> she, she she was, was partying. Having, she was having a good time. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I would see her dance in American Bandstand. And I would watch it. Then uh, I started to listen to music a lot. And so um, I watched a couple of times. I think Gladys Knight and some other people were on Bandstand. And I really liked them. But beyond that, it, that, that kind of seeded it. Okay. And so I knew at nine, no, that was about seven or eight then. But I had a cousin who was a singer as well. Her name was her name was D. Her name was Dolores, but we called her D. And she um, would go into the studio and she would come by our house because she wanted to practice her music. And she, uh, she and my sister, my she and my sister like eight years older than me. Mm -hmm. So my sister, she tried to get my sister to sing. My sister said, I don't want to sing. She said, Go wake up, Sherry. So they would wake me up in about one or two o'clock in the morning. She would ch show me how to harmonize and I started harmonizing. I was nine then. And so I would learn her songs that she wanted to take in the studio, harmonize with her. And then I knew I said at nine, I told my parents the next day, I said, I'm gonna be a singing star. They said, yeah, you're going to be a, a teacher. Go upstairs and read a book. So wow, wow. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I started. And then I started going to the uptown. I would see the artists there at the uptown. I started writing songs. I would take them to the back try to go backstage and they would tell me get out of here kids you know that kind of thing but so the uptown theater here in philadelphia that's more uh that would be uh the same as the apollo so yes for, philadelphia, for yes. new york okay yes okay but but you could go to uptown at that time what about 50 cents for the afternoon show and i think like a dollar maybe it was a dollar people will correct me if they hear this but maybe it's like a dollar if you went to the show and stayed all day because i wanted to stay all day and what and what would you do if you stay like what would happen there if you were there all day long? I would stay all day, and so you would get a chance to see the show in the afternoon. Come on, at like twelve o'clock or twelve o'clock, you know, midday because they were setting it up for the kids. Okay. And if you wanted to stay in the evening, usually that was for the adults. So we would hide in the bathroom, and then. <laughs> oh my goodness! And then after <laughs> after the afternoon show, when the children were supposed to be gone. Uh -huh. We'd still be in the bathroom. So we'd go in the bathroom. We had a nerve to bring our clothes and change our clothes. So we'd take our little clothes in there and change them and then get ready for the evening show. I got a, a I got a beating a couple of times, but I still came back and came So what type what again. type of performers would you see? Would they be local artists or No, no. You, you okay, you didn't you never went to the uptown. You might be too young. <laughs> the uptown was where you saw all of the shows. So for fifty cents for the afternoon show, and if you paid a dollar, went to the evening show as well. You saw Stevie Wonder, James Brown, Gladys Knight and the Pips, oh, wow. um, The Temptations, uh, The Staple Singers, and you might have got a glimpse of like Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. Oh my goodness. Oh God, and that then, sounds like a phenomenal show. It was amazing. And all you could do was stand there like, oh my God, you're looking at all these stars. I can't imagine they probably weren't making any money because they that's where they called the chicken circuit. Okay. Okay. So the chick you know, the chicken 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 circuit, they you didn't make money. You just were artists and you moved around to the different areas and you got a chance to perform. So it was more about your form, the art form and performing as opposed to making a lot of money. That's right. For that, for that. If okay. you got a, if you were out there long enough and you got a good management, then you can elevate. Okay. But in the meantime, you were in chicken, you were in the chicken bone circuit. Wow, Sherry. So was at the age of 13, you're hanging out at the Uptown Theater. <laughs> You're you're sneaking into shows, getting uh, beaten. <laughs> so it, it had to be all it had to be all worth it. Now it at was. that time, you said you told your parents you're going to be a star, you're going to sing. Mm -hmm. At that point, 
um, did you know? Uh, did you know what type of singer you wanted to be? Or no? Okay, okay. Know. You just knew just, that you. I knew I wanted to sing. I knew when I watched them that I could feel them. Okay. I could feel and I could just feel them, and I could as well sense that it was an outlet for me because, like I said, we lived in North Philadelphia. We were in a really small area. Like we live in an apartment. Okay. A lot of people on the street. Um, I wasn't one of those kids that just wanted to just stay outside and play and all that. I played for a little while, but I wanted to do other things. Okay. And um, it was really, it was really like, it got to a place where it was like an outlet. It was like you could get away from the everyday stuff that people kept doing the same thing over and over. The kids playing outside, people fussing, fighting, whatever have you. It was an outlet for me. Okay. It was a passion and an outlet, and it, it gave me an opportunity to think to myself, this is a way that I can do things that I want to do and be creative and and stretch out to do things that I'd never seen anybody else on the block do. Okay. So it was just something more. It was more to me than just the idea of being a star. It was a feeling. It was a sense. It was a passion. And I knew I had to do it. Okay. So did at that time, were you doing anything in particular to work on your craft, to develop well, I, it? I stayed on it because I got in trouble all the time because my parents did not want to hear that. My parents are from Georgia, a little small town called Adel, Georgia. Oh, wow. They didn't know nothing about no singing and all. Who's going to be a singer? What in the world? I actually asked my father once right before he passed. I said, Daddy, why is it that you kept on trying to stop me from singing? And he said, because I thought you were going to be in one of them juke joints. Wow. I was like, what? wow. I was like, what? Okay. So, and and, and so for those of our listeners who don't know what a juke joint is, <laughs> could you please share with us? <laughs> a juke joint is like in the South. Okay. When you were in the South, they would go through, they would have like, um, they didn't have like clubs and things like we had in, in North. Okay. So, so down there where they live, they were on farms. They were sharecroppers and, you know, they were just going through farming phases. So they would have little places like I would say like a sporadically spread out throughout the little areas. Okay. And then when you went to the juke joint, it was just a bunch of people hanging out, drinking liquor. Okay. And so it's like a bar, it, so to speak. Yeah, really. But, but it's like a little hole in the wall. Gotcha. And, and they would uh, come in and they, they would have an artist from time to time. I think Ray, Ray Charles started out in doing some of the juke joints, but I didn't know anything about that. Cause that was before my time. Right. But in my, but in my father's head, he saw me singing in a juke joint, so that's why he kept trying to go through. But in the meantime, when I was learning about singing, I wanted to take uh, lessons. My father and mother would not pay for it because they thought they didn't want me to move in that direction. So I snuck to take lessons, and I did talent shows. They had talent shows at the Uptown. I would do the talent shows. It was another girl and myself, Debbie. Uh, we called ourselves a Sorette, so we started out as a duo. Okay. And we, we did a couple of talent shows, and we snuck down to South Philly. They had a place called the Paradise Club. And my father always said, go upstairs and read. Go upstairs and read. And I, well, I had read everything he gave me. So by this time, <laughs> I was reading like the newspapers by this time. And it said, show a Rama. Oh, so you show for the, so the star. <laughs> I was like, what? Show a Rama, show for the stars? Where is this? And so it was in South Philly at the, the Paradise Club at 16th and Fitzwater. I'll never forget it because we snuck down there on the subway. Wow. And we went down there to sing and... Um, the song we went, we went to, we were doing Sam and Dave and uh, Righteous Brothers songs, and so we went down there and we 
went to audition and I went to open my mouth to sing and nothing came out. I looked at all those people and stage fright just took over and they were laughing and they said, these kids don't know what to do, whatever. And now, that was, was that like, the first time you'd experienced stage fright? Or? Yeah, okay. that was the first time I ever tried to get on a stage. Okay, okay. And so the, the stage fright just like took over. I mean, I looked out at all those people and I thought, oh my God. And I tried to sing, but nothing came out. But that was okay because when they were laughing and everything, that just inspired me. Okay. So I went I went home and I said, Debbie, we got to practice again. She said, we're not going back. Said, yes, we are. We're going back. So we went and practiced and we went back and uh, we won the talent show that night. Now, <laughs> after you, now, after experiencing that, what would make you want to go back at that age? I, I told you, I think for me, it was a passion. Okay. Okay. It was, it was more than just being up there showing yourself. I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't even understand the part about just trying to show off or let people see you. I you were just that determined part. that this is what you were going to do. You were going to yeah. sing. It was yeah. something that you felt deep down in your soul. Yeah. Okay. I felt it from the very beginning. Okay. So I, it wasn't, my father kept saying no. And I kept getting in trouble, but I thought, well, I just got to keep going. Now, so did you did. sing around the house? Did you sing in a church choir? I did choir a little bit, but it was too many people in the choir to me. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. so I sang in the choir for maybe about a year with Miss Hattie at Cornerstone Baptist Church at 33rd and Diamond. Oh, wow. And, and then um, after I sang in the choir, then we I just started doing more talent shows. I We did... Like I said, it was with a, we were a duet initially. Mm -hmm. And we did talent shows and uh, won some talent shows and actually got a couple of offers. Uh, Billy Stewart, you probably don't remember him either. He sang a song called Summertime. Okay. And uh, he tried to take us on the road. He came by. I told him he had to talk to my father. He came by. My father told him he needs to get out of his house. So that didn't work. <laughs> Your dad was determined. His daughter was not going to be a singer. No, no. <laughs> and so that passed. And then I kept on singing. And I was singing at a place, snuck to sing at a place called the one. No, first one was the uh, Paradise Club. And my aunt stumbled in there <gasps> one evening. And she came in. And I, and I didn't see her at first. And I kept on, you know, doing the show and everything. Debbie and I having a good time on the stage. Came off and she said, Sherry. I said, Aunt Carrie, how you doing? Oh, no. She, she said, does your father know you can sing like that? I said, no, Aunt Carrie, please don't tell him because I'm going to be in trouble again. So she wait said, a minute. At this point, your dad had not even heard you sing? No. He oh, would hear wow. me around the house and okay. he would say, shut up that noise. Okay, okay. He would say, shut up that noise. I don't want to hear that noise. Because I think at that point, he was already determined that you just were not going to be that no, in, in that, that field. You weren't going to be that person. Okay. That's right. Okay. That wasn't going to happen. In his head, He that wasn't happening. And so once she saw me, she was the oldest out of my, my father was one of 12 children. So she was older than him. Okay. So she came by the house and she said, Thomas, did you hear, did you, have you heard Sherry sing? And he said, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that, Caramay. And she said, I don't care what you want to hear. She said, you need to let her go and sing, and I'm going to make sure she goes to do it. And so, oh, so now you now you acquired an ally. So. I got <laughs> and Caramay was not having it. You were definitely going to sing. <laughs> yeah, she was like, this baby can sing. You better go on. She said, you better go on out there and do it, too. And so I kept trying. I went for it, took vocal lessons at Settlement Music School. Okay. I worked after school babysitting for a couple of people in the neighborhood to, to raise money for myself and went to learn um, singing lessons at Settlement, started to take some piano, 
um, I just kept working at it and then uh, got got some lucky breaks. We got a manager at the uh, Paradise Club and went and got a, a guardian from the legal system. You know, when you're underage, they make sure you have a guardian. You can't just travel on the road with people. Oh, wow. So even then they made they made, uh, you know, exceptions and had people come in to assist uh, young performers. Yeah. OK. They didn't you were not allowed to take children um uh, Cause we were by the time I was traveling, I was like fourteen. Okay, okay. And so they were like, "You can't um, take children on the road. Uh, not any adults. You couldn't take children on the road, especially in the art industry, unless you had a guardian. And if you were going to go into recording, uh, recording, you definitely had to have a, a guardian. So they, we had a lawyer and everything. Mr. Spears went through the whole gamut. Now, so, what sorts of places did you travel to, or where did you go? Well, initially we were doing small clubs. We were doing things in Atlantic City. Okay. Um, we were traveling, like uh, doing things in Delaware. We were doing mostly like local East Coast things: New Jersey, Delaware, Pennsylvania. We do the Poconos. Okay. Um, the the Atlantic City was the big deal because they had a lot of um, black establishments down there, like the Wonder Garden Club Harlem. Um, oh my God, what are some of? The, they had Loretta's Hi Hat in Lawnside. That's where a uh, I first saw um, Mr. Kenny Gamble. He was in a group called the Romeos. Wow. But, okay. But but we didn't know, you know, we didn't know. He wasn't, he didn't really have Philly International at that time. He was in a group himself. Okay. And so he was in a group called the Romeos and he was on a stage just like me, but he's just, you know, they were older men and I was a teenager, but, uh, you know, same circle. You right. just had the man manager taking you around. Mm -hmm. And then uh, after we started doing that, um, I eventually came with a group called Better Days by the time I was like 19. It now you transitioned called... from working as a duo mm -hmm. and then uh, you guys traveled around and then you now you're saying that you transitioned into a group. Yeah, this okay. was an all-girls band. Okay. And it was called Better Days. And Marcy Francis, who all of them, I think a couple of them still live in Philadelphia. Marcy Francis was one. She played bass and she was the leader of the group. And that's when I started to do a lot of travel because we did travel for the USO. So mm. we would travel. That was the first time I went abroad. So I, by that time, I was going to Europe. Mm -hmm. We did all of Europe. We did Germany, Spain, England, oh, places I'd never even heard of. It. Keklebeck, Iceland. And what was the reception like when you would when you would go out to these venues? Very good because the girls. You got to remember, this is an all girls band, so you had bass, guitar, drums, singer. I was the singer, then you had all girls playing all instruments. Oh wow! And uh, it was fabulous. Now, was that so, something that was unheard of at that time, like where you would get an all girls band? Well, there were not a lot of all girls bands at that time. There've always been women groups okay I mean, if you go back to if you go back to the 20s and 30s there was some incredible incredible women group mm -hmm. um who were traveling around and really doing some phenomenal things but um like when i was coming through it was like the 60s 70s in that era there so it was girl groups that were all girls but they weren't playing instruments they were like the marvelettes right they were singing uh, supremes mm -hmm. yeah they were all singers but not an all-girls band but when you were doing things for the USO, they were looking for unique groups. So we went out. And uh, again, that was the first time I, we did all of Germany, Keklebeck, Iceland, uh, Ukraine, Russia. Wow. We did all of Europe and then uh, all of the United States. We did all of the islands, all of the Caribbean islands. We did all of those. That was the first time I 
So not only are you getting a chance to, uh, you know, perform and uh, to actually work in your craft, but you're getting a chance to travel the world. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exciting. amazing, especially when you're young like that and you don't, you know, you're looking to do, hone your craft. I was really focused on trying to make sure I was doing it right, singing the right way, knowing what things to actually sing. So the, the, the travel was like, ice cream on cake mm-hmm. it was like whoa you're gonna get a chance to see the world too oh my god this is really amazing because you don't consider that as a teenager you know you want to be good at what you do but you don't consider that the the travel is such a huge part of it but that obviously it makes perfect sense that you right really travel. exactly but when you and, say uh, singing the right way uh kind of techniques expo- right okay techniques okay. and 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 knowing how you can you know when you first start singing when you're young you're just using your voice right you're just singing you're just singing whatever you hear on the radio you don't even know your own voice yet that's one of the things i do now when i'm teaching students you have to learn your own voice but i had to learn my own voice how i could actually use it how mm-hmm. i could project and how i could i have a a low resonance in my voice i didn't I, I didn't really realize that initially when i was singing so i learned how to use the lower range of my voice i'm a contralto they have altos sopranos mm-hmm. mezzo sopranos but I, i'm a contralto which means that i can sing a very um low and very low keys but mm-hmm. i can also project in high keys as well but that takes training that takes learning that takes taking time to to you know, finally understand what it is you're actually doing. And people don't understand singing is not just, um, you know, what even if you have a very good voice, mm-hmm. it, it's still uh, your voice is an instrument, correct? Yes, ma'am. And, yes. you know, uh, when you talk about technique and range and things like that, it's really, uh, you have to study. That's you right. You don't just do it. It's not no. something you can just do. You can just do it, but you may not do it the right way. And then you could wind up harming your voice, your vocal cords, like mm-hmm. Adele, you know, like the artist Adele. She has an incredible voice, right. but she, she wasn't using it the right way. And um, she wound up having nodes on her vocal cords and had to have surgery. And nodes are something like, if you've ever had a corn on your toe, yes, uh-huh. then a node is like that on your vocal cord. And wow. that hurts. That is, oh my God, that is so painful. So you have to learn how to use your breathing correctly and, you know, all things like that. You really do. It's very important that you get techniques down, learn how to use your breathing and learn how your who what your voice actually is. Because as a singer, works. you also you're you're you you train other singers as well. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. I was teaching today. So, yes, you, I train them. They have booklets and I make sure that they learn to listen to themselves. Most of the students that I have right now are teenagers, 13 to 18 and so they're right in the prime of learning how to really use their voice as well and getting the techniques down. You're learning how to use their breathing, making sure that they rest and they eat properly, uh, making sure that they are listening to not just one genre of music, but listen to various genres of music. Because our children don't have that as much in the schools the way we used to when when, uh, when I was growing up. You got to listen to all kinds of music. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't have that as much anymore. Not in the public schools. In and I the, guess that kind of goes back to, to what you were saying earlier about you wanted to know what the right, you know, not just how to sing, but the right things to sing yes. as well. Okay. Yeah. Because sometimes children will sing things just because they hear it. Right. And sometimes it's a it's an adult song. I mean, what if you're singing and you're 13 years old, I mean, what do you know about love in certain on certain levels? I mean, you might know about loving your mother and your father, but right. you know about love in other kind of ways. Um, and so 
I talk to them about the kind of material that they actually use as well. Use something that's age appropriate. Mm. Don't just try to sing things just because, you know, somebody else is singing it out there and they're singing about what they're going to do to somebody. That's not, no, you don't need to do that. And that's not being old fashioned. That's being just being respectful. Well, I'm sure your students appreciate not only, um, your uh, your teaching, but I mean the wisdom that you have to offer them as well in terms of the you know things like the material and how to conduct themselves and um, yeah. you know things of that nature in terms of building their careers. Yeah, it makes a difference. We learn everything: microphone techniques, mm-hmm. stage presence, how to set up your stage plot, your clothing that you're going to wear, how to use your voice. All of that is is all in encompassed in everything that you do as an artist right. and I try to teach them not just about singing but how to be a great artist mm-hmm. that's really important having worked with some like one of them called me today because they were knew they were going to have lesson and they called me and said Miss Sherry I said what I just saw unsung and you were on there I said really <laughs> wow wow I was singing with uh, Billy Paul at that time. Well, you know, that's a great segue because I wanted to definitely talk about, I hear you talking about how, you know, when you started out just singing and hearing your cousin and then, you know, you decided that was something that you wanted to do. And then you start going to the studio and hanging out at the Uptown and then being a part of a duo and then going to a group and traveling. So at what point uh, did you actually start uh, singing as a background singer? Oh, well, um, after I left the girl group, I think I was with the girl group for maybe like two years. Okay. And then after I left the girl group, I wanted, I started college prior to that and I stopped to go on the road with the girls. So I wanted to go back to school. And, and so what, I, what college did you go to? What were you studying? Uh, Temple University. And I was in a voice, uh, I was in a vocal, actually my program was, um, what did they call it at that time? Communication arts and theater. Okay. So communication arts and theater encompassed uh, a couple of things. The temple is pretty good at allowing you to diversify your curriculum. Mm -hmm. So I had an opportunity to take music classes, theater classes, uh, a little bit of dance, but I wasn't really that interested in dance, even though I had to use it later. But uh, (laughs) theater, theater, I took theater journalism and uh, obviously music. So in working at working towards my degree mm-hmm. I was really focused on that at the time and um, somebody ca- gave me a call and said Billy Paul was looking for a backup singer and I had never done backup work before but I thought okay well I don't know let's see what this is about let's try it now were you against backup work because you wanted to be a lead singer or no it wanted... didn't matter to okay me. it didn't matter it, okay it really didn't matter I just did I'm I'm a curious soul okay so because I had not done any um, background singing I just thought to myself well what is that about the only background singing was when I was like nine years old trying to wake up in the middle of the night with my cousin who was trying okay. to <laughs> trying to teach me background so well really probably came in handy along the way I just never considered it that way but once they asked me to audition because you had to audition for everybody mm-hmm. um, then I thought all right well I'll just try if I can make it fine if I don't then I'll go back to school but I got the gig so um, I went to take the audition and there were two other girls there and um, we sang a little bit of harmony and we blended and they said fine you're hired they had wow. um, and they had uh, already auditioned a few other girls and uh, I seemed to fit in God is good I seemed to fit in so we went um, I think for that one we did more local things we were doing some things in and around 
the tri-state area. And I think we did a couple of things out in California and a couple of things in Brazil. Okay. Okay. And yeah. I mean, Billy Paul is definitely a, a Philadelphia great. He's an so, icon. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I mean, Philadelphia is uh, in a sense a, a, a music hub. It's a mecca. You know, it really yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. We have a lot of, uh, you know, you you mentioned uh, Kenny Gamble earlier. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Sound of Philadelphia. Um, yeah. Patty Labelle, um, Teddy Pendergrass. Um, yeah. All of which you you had the opportunity to work with. It's so, I'm telling you, God is so incredible. But when you think about it and you look back and you try mm-hmm. to get as much experience as you possibly can, mm-hmm. you 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 have to branch yourself out. You have to, you can't stay home and think somebody's going to come and find you, discover you. That's not like any other job. If you're going, if you're, if you're in any field, you're going to go out and take interviews and things of like that. Or you're going to seek out, you're going to get education about it. Music is no different. And I would seek out. I would go and look. Um, one of the girls was laughing at me um, from Teddy's group because they said, Sherry, you will find a job. I would, when I was like 20 years old, uh-huh. if I wasn't performing, there used to be a place out West Philly called Mr. Silks. And there was another place called the, oh, I can't think of it. It's a playhouse. I think it was some kind of playhouse. Anyway, okay. I heard about it and I heard about it and um, I went on out there. I had my little briefcase with my music in it and my microphone and I would go and you had to sit in, you would go and you would listen to the music. And just like if you had an open mic today, it was similar to that. Okay. So, so okay. you go and you'd sit in. And when they call you up, if you, you had to sign a sheet and say you wanted to sing a song, but it had live bands. It really wasn't like karaoke or anything. They always had live bands then. So you would sign a sheet. And then once they opened up, you would come up onto the stage and they would see how well you sounded. If you sounded pretty good, sometimes there were managers out there or other people who were looking for recording artists. Mm-hmm. And, um, and sometimes you just were regular people there. So you just go and sing. And normally that's what I did. If I didn't have a performance and I wasn't in a group, I wasn't in school. If I wasn't doing one thing or the other, then I would go and look for other jobs. Um, And I think that that's a lot of times people are not hungry enough today. I won't say everyone's not. That's not what I'm saying, people. I'm Mm -hmm. just saying a lot of people think that it will just come a little bit easier than it does. But it's it's hard work and it's hard um, finding good um, positions because you you can get kind of um, I think maybe like any other artistic form you know sometimes you can get a bad name out there because you might move around or maybe allow someone to use you and all that but see I had a crazy father so there was no way in God's green earth that I was going to just let somebody railroad me or try to entice me into being or doing something I didn't want to any I praise God that I never mm-hmm. got into drugs I, okay. never, I never allowed anyone to take advantage of me sexually or otherwise but mm-hmm. it was my I guess it was my upbringing from my dad you know I okay was, I was afraid of my father <laughs> so you 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 went out on the road and you you know you were singing with these groups but because of of what you feel like you had a strong foundation it prevented yeah. you from getting into the pitfalls of those things what do you do you do you also think that um by uh having you know, because of your outlook on what you wanted to do. You weren't necessarily seeking fame. You weren't necessarily seeking position. You just had that passion that you talked about. Do you think that prevented you from getting involved in any of those things? 
you know, maybe that because you're saying that you may have brought my attention to that. You're probably right. Mm -hmm. Because I was so focused on being an artist. I wasn't, I was always trying to hone my craft and make it better. I wasn't looking to be the superstar I thought about at nine. I was looking by the time I got into my twenties, um, I gotten really serious, serious about it. I mean, I think about it. By that time, I'd already been to Europe. I had traveled around, been in, in airplanes with no windows when you did the military, when we did the USO thing, right. C-141s and C-140. I'm like, what the heck is this? So <laughs> by, the time, by the time you go through all of those changes, you know it's not an easy road. So right. you know you're saying to yourself, okay, well, okay, I know I want to do this, but let's see which lane I'm going to get in to do it. And it's not like I have to be a superstar. I just want to be able to do this right. And you were in school at the time as well, correct? Well, back and forth, yeah. Back and forth. <laughs> but I think some of that, the, some of uh, those experiences kind of uh, made you like multifaceted. Like you were, you had that experience of already being out there, already experiencing what is what it was like to work in the professional capacity. And then, you know, when, you, when you're faced with these people and these things, your approach, again, you were focused. So your approach was different than someone yes. who, you know, who may have had other aspirations. You're probably right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, and I have friends that some of them are, are, are no longer here with us. But I have mm-hmm. friends that were, because you saw a lot now. You saw oh, I'm sure. The, you saw all the naughtiness. You saw all the rhetoric that was going on but it mm-hmm. was your choice it was your right. choice and whether you would step in that direction and I had friends that did you know they were like got caught up in the drugs or you know they got caught up in other kinds of things that were going on well what is one some of the one of the most surprising things that you saw uh <laughs> at that time what, what, oh my god like with, um, without divulging too <laughs> too much bad or good bad like bad uh, things like like once we were I think I was like 17, 16 or 17. Okay. And we were singing at a place called the uh, Wonder Garden. Okay. And uh, they had, um, we had a manager at that time, but he told us, you know, well, as long as you girls stay in the hotel room, you know, once the show was over, you go to the hotel room, you stay in your hotel room. So we called ourselves being grown and we snuck out of the hotel room because they said they were having a party down the hall. Okay. So I went with Debbie. It was Debbie and I. I think it was another girl as well. Um, we went down the hall to the party because we were going to be grown and go to the party. But we get to the party and, oh, my God, all kind of drugs were on the table, piled high, people in different rooms. Mm-hmm. And so once we once we walked in, we were like, uh-oh, we're in the wrong place. <laughs> You, you realize it was a we're, bit more. We're in the wrong place. Right. It was a bit so, more than you could handle. Yeah. So we said, okay, well, we're going to leave now. And so this guy, I guess he was the bouncer. He said, nobody leaves. And I'm looking at him like, oh, you don't know my father. Somebody going to do I said, listen, I am 15 years old. If you do not let us out of here, I will call my father on the phone and let him know. He said, you're old. And so I said, I'm 15. He said, both of you, how old are you? And so he looked at Debbie and so she said, I'm 17. He said, both of y'all get out. So that was our leeway to get out. Thank wow. God they didn't say, so what if they had said, I don't care how old you are. You now, was he a bodyguard or? He was a big guy. I don't know. Just, he, okay. You know, okay. I have no He was on the door. Oh, wow. And so wow. he was on the, open the door and he let people in and then let people out. 
So now, was there ever like a, a someone that you had admired during that time that was, you know, very well known and you ran across them in a situation like that and you were maybe surprised or disappointed? Well, I've seen a couple of them, you know, mm-hmm. along the way who I'm not going to name names, but I've seen a few of them in places like that. Mm-hmm. But then when you're in those surroundings, because, of course, when you get older, you're still going to different gatherings and parties and whatever. Right. And when you and when you see the mess, because that's what mm-hmm. I'm going to call it, the mess, when you see mm-hmm. the mess, again, it's your choice on whether you want to deal with the mess. I chose not to. And again, I, I have to give credence to my dad because I was really afraid of him. Mm-hmm. So and I'm glad I was because, you know. When you're young, you're impressionable. Yes. And you mm-hmm. think, all right, well, maybe this and maybe that. No, I knew. Go. You need to get away from me. So mm-hmm. I would so I would still go to different gatherings and parties and things. And of course, yes, I saw some of those stars who were out there. So you were able to avoid all of these pitfalls. Um, you had a strong foundation with your dad. Um, you had seen a few things. Um, how how did you feel, uh, though, being a so-called background singer, so to speak? Like, it was, to me, it was a joy because I didn't look at it. You know, somebody, somebody else asked me about, I got an interview before and somebody said, how did you feel being a backup singer? I just mm-hmm. thought it was a great job. I didn't look at it as I'm in the background. I, because right. I'd sung lead and I'd sung background. So mm-hmm. I looked at it as a part of a job that you had. And uh, some of the, I mean, the greatest job I believe I had as an artist was with Teddy Pendergrass. And, wow. Okay. And, and working with him, everything was super professional. Okay. Uh, I had never sung in an arena, even with Billy Paul. Billy Paul had some great jobs with Billy Paul. And with Patty, I just did some a couple of um, shows. Um, okay. The first time I sang at the Wonder Garden, Patty the Bell and the Blue Bells were the premier act. We were opening for them as a dance troupe and singers. So, now, had you previously ever interacted with them or seen them around while you were uh, in your group? Uh, Teddy, I did, but that was after his accident. When I got the okay. job with Teddy... I had to audition as well. And there were many, 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 many girls who were coming <laughs> in to audition for that job. I really Oh, I could imagine. Who, I didn't okay. know who he was because he had just left Harold Melvin. Okay. So I was back in college again. I was in and out of college for the first couple of years. So I had just gone back for my sophomore year. And um, Sam Reed who was uh, the musical director for Teddy, I used to take the songs to him at the Uptown. Take my songs. Say, Sam, I want you to listen to my song. He'd say, yeah, 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 whatever. And then he would wow. say, go home, you're too young, that kind of thing. But he kept, he remembered me. So he Okay, called, so you guys had established a relationship. Yeah, and even okay. though he knew I was a kid, he still uh-huh. said, you know, you've been trying and trying. He said, this guy named Teddy Pendergrass is taking auditions. Why don't you come and take an audition? And I was like, I don't know. You know, I said, I've seen some crazy stuff. Now, if you asked that question, and, you, and you're right. I did think that way. I thought, do mm-hmm. I really want to be in this profession anymore? I got to that right. point. I did. Mm-hmm. Because I'd seen so much, and I thought, these people are crazy. They're doing this and that. And they're treating people mean. And people drinking and drugged. And I don't know if I can do I don't want to do that. I, wanted, right. I just want to say. So that's when I went back to college again. But when he said that... Um, 
Teddy was going to take the taking the auditions. I was like, nah, I'm done with that for a minute. I need to take a break. So I didn't come. And uh, he kept calling me. So Wait, I was walking. You um, turned down an audition I after did. all those years of handing him <laughs> your, <laughs> your I didn't know any better. I was an ignorant child. <laughs> When I, um, I was going to take another gig at a bar uh-huh. on 52nd Street called Mr. Silks. Wow. We go back to Mr. Silks again. And yes. um, was walking down the street with my little case in my hand, my little microphone case. I thought I was something, y'all. Had a little microphone case, a little briefcase with all my sheet music in. And who do I see? Teddy Pendergrass. And he said, are you a singer? I said, yeah, but I was looking at him crazy because, I, again, I didn't know who he was. So he was walking on the inside of the street going down 52nd Street and I'm walking on the outside and I'm looking at him like, who is this crazy man? He said, do you know who I am? And I'm like, no. (laughs) He's like, like, my name is Teddy Pendergrass and I just let her on Melvin. I'm, you know, I'm going to be big. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I, so you didn't, you weren't impressed by any of that. Is it to to uh you? He was just another person. Just just talking. talking Okay. That's right. So he said, here, I, he said, is that a microphone you have in that case? I said, yeah. He said, well, are you going back down to Mr. Silks or something? You're going to be singing? And so I'm standing on the side there looking at him. And I said, excuse me, sir. And he said, well, here, here's my card. And, he, and I took the card and threw it in the bag and kept walking. So I came back home that night and I saw my sister was up, my younger sister. And I said, Loretta. I said, do you know somebody? I said, I don't even remember his name. Hold on. Let me look at my bag. So I looked in my bag and I pulled out the card. I said, you know somebody named uh, Pendergrass? She said, oh, my God. (laughs) Wait a minute. She was more excited than you was. (laughs) She said, where did you see him? I said, there was some crazy man walking down 52nd Street. She said, sure, he was, he's just ready Harold Melvin. I said, oh, okay, well, whatever. Now, did your sister sing, or were you the only singer? No, my sister can sing. I have a brother that uh, sings and writes. And oh, wow, okay. Awesome. And I found out through looking at our heritage line, I haven't, my aunt has passed, in, uh, passed on now, my aunt Lil, but mm-hmm. on the same side with Aunt Carrie and my dad, she did um, research on our family, so I had a great-great-grandfather. Who was a musician? He didn't sing. He was a musician. He played a um, wow. piano and uh, guitar. I never okay, knew that. Okay. So, so your family is musically inclined for sure. I have a few that mm-hmm. are. I have a, a cousin named Pam Williams, and she plays mm-hmm. a saxophone. She's a jazz saxophonist. And okay. I have a couple of others that I don't know that well, and they've worked with uh, Luther Vandross. So oh, it, is, awesome. it, it is in the genes. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a. It's an incredible profession. It's totally different today, obviously, than okay. it was yes. when I first started out 30, 40 years ago. But um, when you're thriving and you're looking to continue, I still perform. So when you're looking to continue to work in this realm, you just have to look at and be, and you have to change with the times. You mm-hmm. have to move along exactly. with what is going on. A lot of stuff is, elect, you know, the internet, the live streaming, all of that good stuff. You just have to roll with it and you just have to not focus so much on being well I don't I can't speak for everybody some people want to be superstars okay it takes a lot to be a superstar you gotta do you think that these new social uh like social media and these other venues do you kind of think it takes away though from the integrity of the craft okay because listening to your story and listening to your journey on how you developed and how you grew and even the opportunities that you had 
um, you know, based on the, the age that we're living in today, a lot of people are using these platforms to become discovered. But in a sense, if they don't have the same uh, journey as someone uh, during the time you started out. It's different. You know? yeah. yeah. Well, a lot, of, a lot of the young people today are very talented, but they, mm-hmm. they try to make it in 15 minutes and it doesn't always happen that way. I mean, things that you see on The Voice or mm-hmm. um, the other program, I forgot the name of it right now. Um, those shows, they will have the contest and you can see how the students are, or the singers are competing and some of them are awesome. But yeah. that's just the show. You don't, I haven't seen many of them after the show. If you look exactly. at the voice and you look for them, maybe you'll see a couple of them that have come out like Fantasia or a couple of others, but you don't right. see a lot of them coming back out. And that's because a lot of things are entangled. They may put you on a tour because really it's about the money. Everything is about the money, unfortunately. And again, I wasn't in it for the money. I wish I had been in some ways. Maybe I'd be rich by now, but (laughs) I wasn't in it for the money. I was in it for the passion, the joy, the outlet, the creativity, the artistry of it. And and I think that's what allows me to maintain it now and allows Mm -hmm. me to teach now because I wasn't in it for the stardom. But there are a lot of people who are. There are a lot of people who make much more money than me. Um, but still the stardom can is evading, you know, you but you have longevity. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. But you have longevity though. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. You might only get, you know, one, you might, you get one Beyonce, you know, one Whitney or, yeah. or, or even Diana Ross. That's right. But, you know, but you still have longevity and you still have uh, such a, a rich experience. Thank you. You know, you know, you really do. And uh, I know even from, uh, seeing you perform one of my favorite performances by you uh is when you did the nina simone oh four women that's song, four that's women my yes song. people yes come, yes i have a couple named Roz and al mm-hmm. <laughs> and when i'm singing at relish they come just to sit there all night to hear me sing four women and Relish is a, lo- a local restaurant and jazz club yes, in Philadelphia, correct? Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Yes, yeah. Relish is uh, owned by the Bynums. They have Relish Warm Daddies, Green Soul, and South. Okay, and, okay. Um, I, again, I'm blessed because I've had an opportunity to sing at all their establishments. And they're really great people who keep us in the art field working on a consistent basis. They're, they're not working as much, uh, not giving us that opportunity right now because of COVID-19. But right. Usually, they are the mainstream for artists in the local community here because they have music in all of their venues, and there are not many restaurants that do that anymore. And that, you know, it's a shame because oftentimes people don't have uh, appreciation, you know, especially in my my age group and younger they don't have the same appreciation for live music, no, um, for you know, uh, authentic singing and when I say authentic singing I mean you know without all the synthesizers and these right. things of that nature you know everything you everything that you've discussed in terms of your growth and development as an artist uh, it explains why when you sing something like for women why you can hear the richness in your voice you know um, and, you. and even the power and the passion in your voice Yeah, um, I feel that song I, I can feel yeah. Nina I can yeah, feel definitely. her and I, I've only seen her once, but when you really yearn to live the music and relay the music to the audience, because mm-hmm. without an audience, mm-hmm. 
to me, it's pointless unless you are, if you're doing live stream, then I'm still focused on the audience. But to right. me, they go hand in hand. I don't, I just think you, it's, it's about the audience. It's about connecting to them. It's about giving them some of what you have. Some mm -hmm. of them want to sing, but then maybe they don't have the time or the, or the know-how, know how to move in that direction. So when, I just feel like when I'm singing, I feel mm -hmm. like that I'm connecting. I pray before I sing. I don't drink. I might have a glass of wine, but not before I sing. And I don't okay. do it because I feel like I want to give my purest to the, to the music form. You want your you want your audience to feel that passion yes. that you have yes, and that soul and yeah. yeah yeah I can I can certainly say as a fan that I've certainly felt that watching you perform thank you yeah, it's, it's really really a pleasure I, I kind of look at your style um, I know I know when you sang with um, you know uh, Teddy Pendergrass it was more. Uh, I, at that time, they would say soul singing yeah. or R&B yeah. <laughs> singing. Yeah. I, you know but, what? I didn't know how great he was until I took mm -hmm. the job. Because in my head, when I first took the job, I was like, all right, I'm going to do this to make a couple of dollars and right. uh, get a chance to travel a little bit more. That's what I looked at it initially as. And then one night when he was singing on stage, because he used a lot as well. He used a he, he – how can I explain about Teddy? He was just a really – earnest soul singer, whatever else was going mm. on in his life, mm -hmm. that's not up to me to look at. I just mm -hmm. looked at the fact that when he got on that stage, he was mesmerizing. He, wow. When I, when I would listen to him, the first time I was, we did a gig. I mean, the first, when we first got the job, when I first got the uh, job, he said, okay, mm -hmm. well, we leave for LA in a week. So that was in April. We went okay. to LA. We started rehearsals. I'd never been on that level as an artist. And even if mm -hmm. it was background, I didn't think about it from that standpoint. Because mm -hmm. when, when I took that job and I looked at the professionalism of his administration, of him, of his music director, the musicians, everyone knew their role and you better okay. stand up and step up to the plate or get out the way. That was how it felt. You better know what okay. you're doing or you need to go home. Whereas before, when I sang with other groups or a, a, as a lead singer, you just did okay. what you wanted. You know, you sang whatever they had or you practiced, but it was like people were having fun and laughing and talking. When you came to rehearsals with Mr. Pendergrass, okay, no playing around. Let's see what you have. Let's get it right. Is the harmony on? Is it not on? Who's the, who's? Is there a problem? Somebody so he was a serious notes. artist. Yeah. Yeah. We were very right serious artist. You didn't okay. blend with the horns or the, no, that's all right. Somebody needs to change that sheet music over there because I can hear one of the voices that's not on point or one of the horns is not blending with the voices. So that was the first job that I had on that level. That was like the A game. That was the first time I had never been mm -hmm. to Vegas before. Mm -hmm. I took that job and I'd never seen an, an audience of 250,000, 500,000 people before. I mean, to see that and see people throwing underwear up on the stage and mm. looking and clinging to him like he was Jesus or somebody. <laughs> was it, it had to be, but it had to be exciting and fascinating at the same time, it was. you know. Yeah, it was. The yeah, and, and it sounds it was like you had developed. Had. It was the best job because I was dealing with real pros. 
His man right. from his management on down on up all around in and out. They did you ever feel intimidated? People can by say that? whatever, like I say, because they can say whatever they want about him. That was mm-hmm. the that was an incredible gig, and I never missed a paycheck. And if you didn't, and if you didn't um, work during the summer or whatever, you got unemployment like everybody else. They had. Okay. It. I mean, it was okay. it was par excellent, and I enjoyed watching the people watch him. It was. Okay. Again, it was just mesmerizing. And I think I have to say this. I have to say mm-hmm. that the musicians and singers in Philadelphia are top of the line. And the okay. reason why I say that is any other artist in the United States of America and Europe, when they look for musicians, they come to Philly. They come mm-hmm. to Philly first. They might go to New York, but they come to Philly because the musicianship and the artistry here for singers and musicians is high on the echelon. It really is. Yeah, we've we've had some really really great talent come out of uh, Philadelphia. Yes, uh, and you know I think sometimes it's especially during that era, and I just think sometimes people overlook that. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's really a lot of uh, talented you know singers, musicians, incredible. Um, yeah, and 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 you know just a lot of them. It just seems that that like you that passion you know that's kind of just what what drives them that passion that love for music um a lot of people are uh, i've even met some musicians that are you know self-taught yeah you know where they just you know they could just hear it and then they could just you know play it um but just you talking about your experience it sounds like you being in that arena and being you know with with teddy pendergrass and his uh, you know, his being a part of his entourage, mm-hmm. so to so to speak, yeah. that you developed also as an artist. He you did. Know. No, you did. I did. Just in terms of really, you know really watching I, how I had each no choice. Mm-hmm. It was like you really have to be on your p's and q's. One girl that sang with us, she was there for a, a minute, but then there was some discrepancy one evening, and the next night was a new singer on her. Letter of Mike. Wow. So, wow. you know, people were always waiting in the wings right. to take our places. They were waiting. Right. They were like, okay, well, yeah, you, because women. So you knew you had to be top notch. Oh, you knew. I mean, women, yeah. women would come up to us and say things like, oh, who do you think you are? Or whatever. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was rough. Oh, it was a little doggy dog. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were coming okay. for you. And they let you okay. know, we're coming for your job. If you just make one note wrong, we're coming. We'll be right there. So, you really had to had to know your stuff. We practice at least six to eight hours a day. It was a job. Okay. So, okay. and because when I trained and I started a settlement, I took classical music because they didn't offer any jazz and R and B. Okay. So I had to learn classical, but I think that was one of the things that groomed me better as well. Once I uh, once you go, go through a training of classical training, even though most of them. Uh, discourage you from singing anything but classical. They would say things to us like, "You should never sing R and B, or don't ever sing gospel. That'll ruin your vocal cords." But it mm-hmm. never, it never did. As long as you're using, you're using your techniques, you're good. But I say all that to say, the training. Yes, you have to train. You have to get that together in some way or another. But every step that you take in the industry, if you're paying attention, you're going to grow and evolve from it. So from working with Teddy, I definitely grew. I definitely mm-hmm. grew because I, there was a time. He worked so much. I think there was a time when one year we did 45 cities in 40, 
four days or something like that. Wow, that's incredible. I passed out in, um, I think I passed out in Fort Worth, Texas. I didn't know what was happening. I was 26 years old and I will mm-hmm. never forget it because we were, we knew we were tired because sometimes you rode the bus. We had buses with bat, with a, you know, bunk beds on them. And then sometimes mm-hmm. you flew. So we would be, some days we flew, some days we were on the bus and we kept going and going. But this particular day, I guess my body was like, you keep going because I'm done. And I felt, uh, we had just checked in. The three girls stayed in the room together and the one girl had taken her shower and I was getting ready to get up and my knees just went out from under me. And then my my heart said, I will never forget that feeling. I was like, I'm 20. So you literally passed out. I didn't pass out. I just, my knees gave out and my mm-hmm. heart started beating real fast. And I was thinking to myself, I'm 26 and I'm having a heart attack. But uh, I called, I tried to be kind of chilled about it because I didn't want to scare the girls. Right. And I said, Harriet. And she said, Sherry, what's the matter? Because she was in the bathroom. And I said, um, call, call the road manager. She said, what's the matter? I said, I don't know, but I can't get up. Because every time I tried to get up, my legs went back out. So they called the road manager, and I was laying on the floor by then. And he said, what's going on? And he tried to talk to me and everything. I never passed out. And he, they called 911, and I, they put me in an ambulance, and I took me to the hospital. And the doctor said, she's suffering from exhaustion. We had a, we had a gig at the Greek Theater oh, that night. Oh, okay. Okay. He said, uh, they said, well, no, we got a show tonight. He, the doctor said, well, she won't be going. <laughs> oh wow! I don't know so what at, y'all, what y'all she won't be at, at that moment, did, did you ever feel like this could be it for you in terms of the group? I mean, you know, being part of the uh, the background singers, or I didn't, uh, I didn't know didn't what think to about, think at that time. Okay. I just thought I wanted to keep my job, right? Because right. at twenty six, you don't think about that. Twenty six, you think, well, I got to go to work. What is he talking about? But right. I, of course, I listened. But um. After I got out of the hospital, I was only in there like two days. Okay. And after I got out and everything, and uh, we went right back. I went right back to work. I went right wow. back when we got on another wow. plane and went right back to work. And um, another girl mm-hmm. got sick one time, but she lost her voice. She had laryngitis. It's it's a very grueling, even though fascinating, very mm-hmm. grueling job because you're traveling constantly. You're getting on and off of planes. Riding, you're rehearsing six to eight hours a day. You're doing steps. People say you were so skinny then. Yeah, I was doing steps and <laughs> <laughs> moving around six to eight hours a day. What the heck do you think I'm going to be? <laughs> so you're rehearsing, you're traveling, yep, you're dancing, you know. you have dance moves to make. He's learning new songs. So when he comes back, you're going to be he... learning new songs. If he goes wow. to the studio, well, he recorded us as well. So we went in the studio. And you're recording some of his music, and then people are promising you things. Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna give you a record deal. And we offered a couple of record deals of it. I think really, yeah. Teddy said, no, no, I, no, no, no. Don't talk to the girls. Uh, I, I, you know, I'll take. So I'll, I'll take you mean to tell me people would approach you guys as a group or individuals? Uh, both. 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 Okay. Yeah, because okay. they, they they one company wanted to record the three girls, and then mm-hmm. there was another company that came after me separately and that was a German company but now had you ever considered actually leaving to pursue your own career 
Uh, at, with Teddy at that time, no, it was a very no. good job. No, okay, not, okay. Uh, and especially because it, at that time he told us he was going to record us, so we were kind of looking for something to happen. But obviously he had the accident, and then nothing took place okay, after yeah. that. But okay. I did, I didn't consider leaving that job. I knew that I wanted to do lead singing because I was writing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so once we came off the road um, at, after the accident, uh, I just knew that I wouldn't, I didn't want to get in any more groups at that point. So now with being having, you know, experience being a background singer and, 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 you know, having one, what you said is one of the best jobs you ever had at that point, uh, when, uh, you know, it was no longer available at that point, did you decide to go back to school? Or... I did. Yeah, you did. Okay. Yeah. I okay. went back to school. I actually got married after that. I had a daughter. I went back to college and, uh, mm-hmm. I try, I, at, at some point you want to live a normal life. You don't, you know, my daughter, I was still doing the road after my daughter was born. And I remember mm-hmm. her saying, mommy crying. I remember her saying, mommy, you are always flying. I'm afraid with you flying in the airplanes all the time. And I'm like, what? But then I was looking at it from her little two-year-old eyes that her mommy wasn't home a lot. Right. And so right. that started to get to me after a while. So, And you had spent most of your life at that point on the road yeah it being working as a professional almost yeah i have to ask you this what did your at at some point i'm sure your father had to uh (laughs) (laughs) had to become uh a a fan or so to speak so at what point did he decide you know you're really good at what you do and and it was okay i was for you to be a singer i was about 22 years old okay and uh he finally said one day my father used to curse a lot, but I, I won't quote you exactly like he said, but he just said, <laughs> GD, you really got a voice, girl. <laughs> wow. Wow. And I said, Daddy, you're going to come out. So he came out a few times, but he, you couldn't impress it. You, you couldn't impress him. You know, he okay. wasn't, he wasn't easily impressed by much because he came to a couple of the Teddy shows and he just looked at Ted like, yeah. So what else do you, <laughs> so what do you do? <laughs> I think that's where you got that humble spirit from. <laughs> that's where you got your humble spirit yeah, from, for sure. Yeah, because they when you came home, it was like you better go over there and eat a piece of cornbread and stop acting like you're crazy. Okay, we back. Yeah, I don't care if you've been on the road or where you've been. Go on over there and sit down. So, yeah, I, you're probably right. The humble spirit came from that, but he did finally acknowledge it, and uh, he definitely got a chance to come to some of the shows. He and my mother were very proud. I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were. Well, Sherry, I just have to say it has been a pleasure. You are the one. You. you are awesome. No, I really, I really enjoyed our conversation. I mean, I, I you know, again, this is uh, why I wanted our listeners to get an opportunity to hear you, your journey. And uh, I think you are certainly much more than a background, a backup singer. I mean, you are, you are forced. Um, if anyone in the Philadelphia area gets an opportunity uh, once uh, the world opens back up <laughs> to any jazz festival, uh, any restaurant in the area, uh, in particular Relish uh, in Philadelphia, um, you've got to go hear uh, Sherry sing. Um, I know you do a Teddy Pendergrass set yep. um, sometimes. Um, um, and then definitely that Nina Simone. Yeah, four women. yeah. and I'm writing too. I'm doing some writing. I'm actually going back in the studio in another month. So I'm oh, that's awesome. Are you working on 
Yep. I'm sorry, you're working on a CD or something? Yeah, I have one already, but I did that one in 2007. And then I did okay. another one in 14, but this one, it's time. So I'm doing okay. another one uh, and hopefully we have it done before the either the end of the year. I don't know how COVID-19 is working, but between now and the end of the year, I should have it done. So it'll probably debut in the spring of 2021. Okay. But yeah. Well, we are definitely going to look forward to it. I know I am. Thank you. And I certainly appreciate <laughs> you sharing your tea with us. It was really, really interesting. Thank you um, so much. But, you know, you, um, you are definitely um, uh, wonderful. And, you. you know, best of luck in your your long, long career. Um, like I said, the integrity is there. Uh, and those of you who don't know Sherry Wilson Butler, uh, check out YouTube. She has a couple of videos on YouTube. You've been peeking. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I told you I'm a fan. I uh, but, but yes, but certainly, certainly. And uh, for those of you that have questions or you want to leave any uh, messages about this segment, please do so by using the message button uh, at the end of this episode. Uh, Sherry, again, I want to thank you thank for you. joining Sipping Tea with D. This you. is your host, <laughs> Deirdre Simmons. And uh, thank you for joining us. Have a good evening. Thank you. You as well. And thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.